Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 438. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, I've got Kevin Rickshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How's it going? Yeah, you know, it's 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 going all right. Good. Good to hear. How are you doing? Where are you uh, at? I'm I'm in Florida right now, so I'm still transitioning. So like the our new house, which is in North Carolina, is not ready to be moved into yet. It won't be ready until the end of September. So we're kind of like transient until then. Yeah. You're going on East Coast tour. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, perhaps. You should make up shirts. Yeah, I I don't, yeah, I don't know if we're going to just stay down here the whole time or go up. I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how, which way the wind takes us. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing the Batman, which is in theaters right now. It's a biggie. We'll also be going over someone watching on the watch list and this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be very helpful. With that, I don't really have any housekeeping to go over, so I think we can just jump straight into our review. Talking about The Batman, which came out this weekend, this past weekend, directed by Matt Reeves. I have a synopsis here. When the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement. Uh, Kevin, we'll start with you. What were your initial impressions of the Batman? Uh, I mean, we we talked about this a little bit off off air. A number of things have happened that have changed movie going for me. The one number one thing is the my local theater has shut down because of COVID. When COVID hit, got shut down, and it's closed forever. I don't think it's ever coming back. So. Now for me to go see a movie, I have to drive like 30 minutes. So in total, Ugh. it's about an hour commute to go watch a movie. That right? sucks, man. Yeah. That's that's how it'll be for me in the in the near future, too. So So you got that going, you know. And you already have that the Batman's three hours long. So I'm already looking at committing to four hours. It's just I'm I'm losing my entire day, essentially. My my prime day hours. Right. And then the second thing that we talked about, which is going to kind of skew movie watching for the for the near future is Elden Ring came out. Yeah. Right. So there's a part of me because I'm way behind you. Right. I just I can't find the time to play. And it's irritating. So every movie that I watch is essentially me thinking now would I have rather enjoyed playing three hours of Elden Ring at my home, not leaving, especially with gas being like four thirty or something a gallon. Would I rather do that or watch the Batman for three hours? And I gotta say, I, I far would have more enjoyed staying home playing Elden Ring for three hours. If I had to pick between the two, knowing what I know now. But overall, like that doesn't it's not to say that the Batman's a bad movie. Like, I just thought it was fine. It was just fine. There mm-hmm. was certain parts of it that I was like, oh, shit, this is, this is pretty good. You know, maybe perk up in my chair a little bit. But for the most part, I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is the Batman all over again. I somewhat agree with you. I think that it was more than just fine. I think that it was quite good. But I do understand where you're coming from in that, like, yeah, it's another Batman story. It's it's it, there's nothing here yeah. that's like mind blowing, but I think that it is a really solid entry in the Batman franchise. I think that my like ranking of the Batman movies, this would probably be under the Dark Knight for me, which would be like the fourth best. I think in I think that Batman eighty nine, Batman Returns, Dark Knight, and then this probably. I did enjoy myself with this more than Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises. So, I yeah, I liked it quite a bit. I like the Riddler character. I so so that kind of drew me into this right away. And I like the I like Batman stories where he has to be the world's greatest detective. You know, I I like 
any any Batman story that involves a mystery where he's got a you know he's in a race against the clock to to solve this this mystery now being that this is like an early like an early in his career Batman I feel like he's not he's not quite at the top of his game intellectually in this one yeah intellectually he's, he, he's yeah he's still got something to learn like he's still learning and I don't I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with that from a from a story perspective I actually wish there was more of that because I will agree with you intellectually. He's not there. There's a lot of room for improvement, right? If I'm doing, if I'm doing a year end review on this guy, but the thing that on the flip side of it, that kind of took out uh, like the stakes of it all is that pretty early on. And then throughout the movie, like he's kind of shown as indestructible. Like he's getting shot numerous times. And it's just like not really affecting him at all. And I'm just kind of like, oh, he's he's indestructible, I guess. Like, like I never felt like there was a chance that something might happen to him. And I know that that's kind of stupid going into Batman. It's Batman. No, but there is a part where it's like it's something. I I don't know. It I just, think it, I, I think the stakes are more on the city itself rather than, than Batman. Like the, the thing that you have to be concerned about in a Batman movie is, is other people, not necessarily Batman himself. It's whatever the villain is going to do to others or the city as a whole. Yeah. And I think that was, that was my two, two pronged, uh, favorite thing about this is a, is that mostly focuses on the Riddler, which thank God, because there is something towards the end of the movie that's just like fucking Christ, you know, you know it's going to happen. But please, someone else. So this movie has that, and I also like that it has more than one person. You have the Penguin, you have Catwoman, you know, you have more. I think the only downside to that is it seemed like uh, Reeves was trying to do too much, juggling too much, really, and it's just be kind of became this like bloated thing it is i don't a, think it necessarily needed to be i, I yeah i think that this is a it, this is a big movie i mean this is a very large scale movie because you do have and it all it all links together like it's it's all interconnected so you you have like the riddler storyline mixed in and then mixed in with that you have the 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 sort of mobster the the mafia storyline with carmine falcone and and penguin and it's all interconnected but because this is like the first one in what i presume to be a new series there's a lot of establishing stuff like they're establishing these characters now i will say one one thing that i give them credit for is there's no like not really origin stories here like by this point penguin is already established as like he he owns the iceberg lounge and he's already sort of uh, an underling of Carmine Falcone. So like that's already established and, and we don't have to go through the whole Batman origin story again either. So I, I definitely appreciated that. And same with uh, um, Zoe Kravitz plays Selena Kyle, AKA Catwoman. We don't have to go through her whole origin story really either in this, which, you know, I think is very refreshing. Yes. I, there was a lot of stuff I liked about this. I like the general aesthetic. Now, Batman is typically a very dark, you know, grim, gritty, kind of brooding story. Like pretty much all the Batman uh, media that you look at. This one, I think. I was just going to say, it's always dark. Oh, yeah. And it's like never light out. 90% of the time, it's raining. It's, it's always it's, night. It's, it's never light. Yeah. And I think that Reeves did a, an amazing job with the aesthetic. I think that he absolutely nailed the dreariness of Gotham and the fact that he was able to have this movie be like 95% nighttime in the rain and still look. I mean, it's got to be really hard to shoot a movie like that, you know, with just the constant rain and the reflections and making sure that stuff is dark, but not so dark that the audience isn't going to be able to see anything and like making sure that the lighting is just right to reflect off of, you know, all the wet surfaces and stuff. Like I imagine it was a really hard shoot and 
I think that the end result looks really awesome. I think it's probably one of the best looking Batman movies. It's not quite as stylistic as like a the Burton Batman movies, but it definitely feels like it's its own thing. It doesn't necessarily feel like it's it's biting off the other Batman movies. It has its own identity, which I appreciate. I like the design of like the Batman suit. All the all the costuming I think is really good. And I like the the Batmobile, this version of the Batmobile, which feels a lot more kind of grounded and realistic. Um as opposed to some of the more kind of garish looking Batmobiles that yeah. we've seen in the yeah. past. Uh I think yeah, I think the Batmobile in this is kind of badass. And um yeah, I just I I liked all of that stuff. It feels the 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 movie itself feels very Fincher esque. Like the whole, it, I, yeah, that's, I that was a, another I, thing that, I, that I have a really hard time believing that 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 Matt Reeves did not draw heavy inspiration from David Fincher when he was making this movie. Yeah, I mean, come on, it it like the whole atmosphere of it, the whole tone of it. The Riddler character in of itself just is like, oh, it's the Zodiac killer. All right. Like, it just yeah. felt, you know, you're just kind of thinking the whole time, like, oh, okay, if, if Fincher did Batman, maybe, maybe this is what it would be. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't mind that, though. Like, it, it's, it seemed like it was a very blatant homage to Fincher, but... It didn't feel like a necessarily like a ripoff or anything to me. There, there was also like uh, you you'd mentioned uh, the Zodiac Killer, but I also saw a lot of the um, I don't remember the Kevin Spacey's character from Seven that that killer, whatever the hell his name. Yeah, was. with him kind of targeting and having like a checklist of like yeah, going to get you closer to the end. And, and, yeah, and you had it, it your, does like, feel like it was Zodiac folded in with yeah. Seven type deal. And and you and you had these like kind of elaborate you know, kills, but, but, yeah. the, but also it still felt like the Riddler. I mean, the, the, it didn't deviate so much from that character that it didn't feel like the Riddler. It's still, he still left the riddles and the clues and all of that stuff for, for Batman to find. And he was still kind of a, a nut. And I thought that Paul Dano was great in that role. I think the casting was really good. I think the casting was actually really good overall. I, I liked everybody in their role. I didn't, think that I was going to have a problem with Robert Pattinson as, as Batman. And, uh, he, I thought he was really good. Um, I don't know like where he would stack up against, like, I mean, Keaton. No, probably- and I think he, I think he works really well within the realm of where it seems like they're taking him with yes. this. Yeah. Much more like moody. I mean, he was, he's definitely more of an emo Batman <laughs> than, than yeah. I think we've seen before. It's, it's, it's also interesting in that, the this one again being sort of an early like when he's like he's he's established as Batman people know who he is the cops know who he is so he's been around this isn't year one but he's still sort of coming into his own and at this point he doesn't do anything as Bruce Wayne he's he's a recluse in this which is a little bit different than most of what we've seen in the past with Batman movies where. Bruce Wayne is this like, you know, public figure. He he is this kind of billionaire playboy type. And yeah. this is like <clears throat> it seems like this is before that. I, I imagine that in the next iteration, the next movie, we'll see more of that. Um, because it seems like it's leading up to that. It'll be interesting to see what they do. And I think that comes down to, you know, other I think we've talked about this before with the, you know, like jump starting these franchises and stuff it's like it's kind of hard to grade this one because i see interesting things but i'm not gonna know until what they do with it later on you mm-hmm. know what i mean like this feels just like a setup for everything and i think that's for me the number one thing of the batman that i found really interesting is robert pattinson's character as bruce wayne slash batman is He's he's two years into this. It seems like he's pretty much indestructible. But what it really comes down to is like he's kind of having this he's kind of reacting to these things as like a normal person would, not like you normally see Bruce Wayne slash Batman reacting, where he's like 
unintended consequences of like he's inspiring people but the wrong people in the mm-hmm. wrong way and th- i think that's really interesting where he's kind of figuring that out as yeah. he's going in yep. the second year where he's like oh shit I, uh, like what the fuck am i supposed to do now yeah when and he's really kind of coming to terms to that when he's realizing that i think he says it at one point where he says like vengeance isn't enough like he he has to do more to inspire the people yeah. other than like Kicking, kicking ass. Like, there's more to it which, than that. Which I did think was funny because it's within that sequence, he saves like two people, and then he's like, "Okay, I'm moving out." <laughs> and the rest of you people can save the rest. The other like 45 of them, I'll start leading the way. I got the two important people. Follow me. Yeah, he's got he's got other stuff going on. I mean, he probably he's, needed he probably needed a nap after. All that he's been Oh, he through. needs a nap 24-7. <laughs> I mean, he's... I guess he naps during the day. Yeah, probably. Probably. More like a third... It's a more of like a third shift type of job. Yeah. It's uh, understandable. Yeah, so I, I thought Pattinson was really good in the role. I think that he's going to be a really good Batman, and, and hopefully they keep him on and he does more more with it. I liked Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle. I thought she did a really good job. Colin Farrell as... Penguin, you know, in a unrecognizable role for him. Uh, I yes. wasn't sure about it. I was like, I was like a little hesitant about that one because typically, when you get somebody who is like polar opposite of of the character, uh, I'm like, well, couldn't they just find somebody that looked more like that person rather than having to like load up makeup and all that stuff? But the thing is, like, the makeup job is really good and. I, yeah. I, I if I didn't already know that that was Colin Farrell, I'm like, no, I had no idea. I'm uh, I'm certain that I wouldn't know that that was him. No, because I mean, the first time that he was introduced, I guess for like a little bit, I forgot because I'm like, wait, who's playing the Penguin? <laughs> I, but, he's, I mean, yeah. I don't. It's just the whole idea of like people in fat suits now, you know, in 2022. It's just kind of like, all right. Like we could we could we could pick so he does a great job. Don't get me wrong. It's not his fault, but at the same time it just seems a little odd at this stage mm-hmm. of the game. Yeah, I mean I guess they thought movies. guess they thought he was the right person for the job. You got Jeffrey Wright as as James Gordon and I think that that was a great choice too, man. He he just he feels like He's like kind of the perfect James Gordon. I character. think this was the one that was the most because I forgot that he was in this. This was the most exciting for me when he showed up. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. Nice." Yeah, I knew. I knew that when I first found that out. I knew that he would kill it in that role. Andy Serkis is Alfred, which was another one that I was like, eh, "I don't know about that," but I think that that he did a good job as Alfred as well. Even though that character doesn't play a huge role in this movie, no. I'm sure that he'll be more prominent later on. John Turturro as Carmine Falcone, which that's an easy, that's an easy, uh, easy win there. Yeah. I had no idea. So that was exciting. I didn't. Yeah. I actually didn't know he was in this either. So anytime John Turturro shows up in something, I think instinctively you just go, yes. Yeah. Nice. And again, I'll just reiterate. I thought that Paul Dano was fantastic as the Riddler. I did enjoy Paul Dano. So yeah, for me, this is, uh, this was great. I I had a really great time with it. I think that sure it could have used, used, uh, maybe slimmed down a bit. I mean, you could even break this into two movies, honestly. With, well, I think the, the thing that gets me, on. the thing that gets me the most is going into this. Okay. And I know we're going over well-worn territory, right? So when it comes to like the dialogue and stuff, I know the writing's not going to be like super top notch or anything along those lines. It's going to be broad strokes type dialogue, right? And mm-hmm. because the story's so familiar, it's going to be it's going to be whatever, you know. Like it's not it's not anything new. I, we know what's going on, so all that's kind of just back burner stuff. So what it comes down to is. Essentially, the aesthetic and the action set pieces. And 
honestly, you know, the aesthetic is just more of the same in terms of the Batman world, Gotham. I know you can't really deviate from that too much, right? Or people be up in arms. So there's not a whole lot that you can do there. It's got to be nighttime, and it's got to be mostly raining, that type of deal. So you know what you're getting there. So it comes down to action. And honestly, for three hours, I wanted more. There's just, there's not a whole lot here. It's just a lot of setup for me, honestly. Yeah, there was, I thought that there were, there were some cool set pieces. I, I will slightly agree with you that, that maybe there could have been some, some more, more going on. The actually, I really like the car chase. There's a really great car I, chase scene. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people going into this, I saw a lot of people the car chase scene. So when that started, I was like, "Oh, here we go. We got the Batmobile." Because when they introduced the Batmobile, I was there was a part of me that was like, "Oh shit, this is okay." Well, yeah, and what a, what a way <laughs> to introduce it to you're just like, "Oh," because right. you know what it is right away, and you're just like, yep. "Oh, here we go." Yeah, you're like, is that is that like a nuclear reactor on the back? Okay, let's yeah, I want to see you in action. But I gotta say, the car chase scene I thought was like, eh, like it really. That's interesting because didn't wow me in any way. Sorry to shit. I'm like, I don't mean to shit on your parade, but no, no, I, I actually like, that's that's just funny because like I don't particularly enjoy car chase like car chases are fine but like i feel like i've just seen so many of them these days that it really takes something interesting like the like the one in um in uh tenant for instance like now that was a an interesting car chase but uh yeah i really enjoyed the car chase in this one i thought that there was some really cool really cool stuff going on with it i think like the one of the coolest things is when he like shuts off the power you see in the trailer he comes out of the the elevator and you just have kind of like the strobing effects of the the muzzle f- flashes yeah from the, so i'm like okay because there's this like lead up to him cutting the power and all that stuff and then this dramatic build up of the elevator coming down no one's in it and you're like okay yes here we go this is we're kicking it off and then you have the muzzle fire thing and you're like i love it this is gonna be great and then that's it like that's that's the length of it. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like, I was super... I thought we were just getting started. But yeah, I, I mean... I saw all of that in the trailer. Like, Yeah, it, it is... It is It is light on action. It is pretty light on action. There's... Uh, the, the, a lot of it is just, like, more kind of detective work. Which, uh, uh, that, that actually reminds me of one of the things that I did want to point out was that most of this movie is Pattinson in the mask. Like he yeah. is very rarely Bruce Wayne and he very rarely takes off the cowl, which I really appreciate it because I feel like they're like most superhero movies. They're just trying to get the character out of the mask as much as they can. Well, and I think that's a really good, interesting casting decision here because to me, I feel like Robert Pattinson really does like that bottom that bottom third of his face is really distinct mm-hmm. and I can't figure it out. I don't know what like his jawline slash like teeth situation, like his, <laughs> his teeth are too wide for his face. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it and it works wonders here because you can just show me that bottom third. And I'm like, yeah, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Maybe they thought it's like, like the, it's it's like the the front the front of his teeth are wider than normal people. And, and maybe that's like they they all knew they were like, well, they're going to recognize you in in, in the mask. It's not like Spider Man where it could be anybody in that costume, yeah. you know. I think that's the thing. Like if I lived in Gotham and you showed me Bruce Wayne, I'd just be like, oh, that's fucking Batman. <laughs> It's the mouth easy, thing. Easy, easy. He's, He's got double the front teeth than most people. He has more teeth. <laughs> uh, yeah. Love Robert Pattinson. Good. He's a good guy. I do too. He, he is. He is great. That's the only other thing that worries me about this Batman thing, though. Is I'm not going to see him in other stuff. He's going to get tied up in Batman's. Uh, maybe not. I mean, he. 
I don't know, man. He doesn't necessarily seem like the type of person that would that would do that. Like, I feel like he would still like squeeze in a, a smaller like indie movie in between. But I guess I guess we'll see. Like, what that I don't know. Like, what that contract is like with uh, yeah. Warner Brothers. It might be a pretty uh, pretty stringent contract that he's under. And like, I I saw a couple interviews with him, and like, he seems to really love the character and, and love the role. Like he actually sought this out. He auditioned for it and everything. So I think it's a good fit, man. Like, I, I think, I think that it does. like he looked in, he looks good in the mask. And, and also the, the voice, you know, that's like a big sort mm-hmm. of point of contention. I think like Christian Bale's Batman was like, he was good as Batman, but the voice was a little off like kind of silly at times, but I think that what, what Robert Pattinson does here, I think he does a good job with it where it's not like too over the top. No, but I do like how they kind of like did the flip side of that, where it's just him in a lot of situations where you wouldn't normally see a guy in a bat suit. <laughs> yeah. Where it, it, yeah. just around like a lot of normal people with right. just like, look at this fucking guy in a bat this suit. Guy. Look at this, this guy. <laughs> It is kind of interesting because in most Batman movies and and stories and stuff, you you just see him in action or like in front of a computer in the Batcave, you know, doing some research. Yeah, and he like he sneak, he sneaks in and he might talk to to somebody and then he sneaks out. Yeah, it's not that like he's walking through a crowd of people. Yeah, there's just a lot like, of hey, Batman. Hey, there's a lot sorry, of sorry like, guys. Excuse me. <laughs> You have crime scene investigations with with like a, a room, a crime scene that's like full of cops and like people, like forensic people, CSI people taking pictures and stuff. And then you have like Batman taking notes and like looking at stuff, looking at evidence. Standing in the way. Imagine trying to do your job. <laughs> with Batman looming over you. At one o'clock in the morning and... One o'clock in the morning, you're doing forensics. You're taking pictures of a dead body, all this shit, and you got to look at it, a grown man in a bat suit and be like, "Excuse me, do you mind getting out?" Like I got to say, "Are you fucking kidding me? It's fucking Mickey Mouse shit." <laughs> it's like it's, it's no wonder everybody on the GCPD hates him. It's a big pain in their ass. <laughs> I get uh, it. I get it. Yeah. All right. Let's um. Let's give the Batman a score. I'm sitting at like a, uh, I'm at like a seven and a half on this one. Maybe, like even, a, maybe even an eight, seven and a half. We'll stick. We'll stick with that. Um, it's funny because it felt like the more I was getting away from the viewing experience, I was liking it less and less. But I think I've come back like a little bit. And it kind of appreciated some things. So I think I'm going to go like a six and a half. Maybe a six and a half. I'm going to stick with a six and a half. All right. There you have it. Also, great title card sequence. I liked that. It is It is interesting because my work plays classical music in the bathrooms now. That's like a new COVID thing, I guess, to like to help us de-stress. I don't know if I told you this, but anytime there's there's like a slow string song, because it's all like classical music, I'm mm-hmm. just always in my head. I'm just like, oh, is that Ave Maria? <laughs> so as soon as that title card hit, I just leaned over to my wife and I was like, is that Ave Maria playing? <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Uh, that's the Batman. It's playing in theaters now. I would... I would recommend it. I would recommend going to to see it in the on the big screen. I think that that's the best way to view this this one. I don't. You can watch it at home. Nah, I think I, th- I you think can the do big it. Screen. Because when you're watching this, this the, at home, you got to look at your like TV calibration on this because it's such a dark experience. I will say that was a good interesting because i think they did really do a good job with the darkness because there's a ton of movies you know we talked about where like you just can't see shit but this is mm-hmm. dark and it, it looks great so i will give it that that's bonus points that you brought up but another thing this is another aspect that's outside of elden ring and commute with gas prices is my dog i four hours to leave my dog by itself mm, it wasn't worth it i'm sorry dog <laughs> please forgive me 
My dogs are fine. They can they can deal. Although actually, one of my dogs pissed on the floor when we were gone. So see, that's traumatic for a dog. Uh, he, Robert he, Pattinson. He, he pisses all over the floor. He's old. That's not the know? point. That's he's he's on death's point. door. That is not the point. Matt Reeves, reach out, apologize to Adam Patterson, please. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's move on. Talk about someone watching. I think it's your turn this week, Kevin. This is another thing that's going to be really difficult is I had an opportunity to play Elden Ring and I didn't because I was like, oh, I should watch a movie. So I have something to talk about on a podcast. I do a movie podcast. I should yeah, talk I, about a movie. I've been like strategically trying to like squeeze it in like lunchtime. Like when I'm when I sit down for lunch, I'll put a movie on and, and try to squeeze in a movie during lunch. Yeah. Uh before Elden Ring came out, I committed myself to another three-hour movie. So I watched two three-hour movies this Ooh. week. Ooh. So, yeah. Uh, that is A Touch of Zen from 1971. King Who. And uh, let me tell you, this is a movie that deserves to be three hours long. Because it is a fucking story. And it takes you on a journey. And there's a lot going on. And all of it is fucking incredible. This, I honestly, this might be like in recent history, like within like the past couple of years, this might be some of the coolest shit I've seen. It's just fucking amazing. Number one, you just have so much going on. There's a lot of, uh, it's just so much fighting, so much of the person being introduced and then you turn out turns out that they're not the person that you thought they were and you find out their true identity and then wanted people and it's just fighting incredible action set pieces the landscapes are just unbelievable this is just a gorgeous movie there is so many aspects of this where like they'll show like a terrain that someone's going across and you're just like it's jaw dropping where you're just like oh my god it's just like the most verdant greens I've ever seen. It's just incredible. Yeah, you know, jumping from treetops and all this stuff. This is one of those movies that it doesn't happen often, but you just you get so excited thinking about it that you can't really put into words why it's so fucking phenomenal. But I will say that there's there's a there's a moment uh, towards the end of the film. There's this like uh, Tibetan monk, this abbot who. It's just like untouchable, just incredible, effortless martial artist. Just he usually takes people down one handed, you know, and it's just all defensive. He's just, you know, disabling people. And it's him and a group of young kids. And he like descends down from like this like rocky outcrop to like face this like major villain and just the way that it's cut, it's in slow motion. There's this music. It's so dramatic. And it's like, he's just like floating down, essentially, is how they make it look. And it is just, it's like one of the coolest things I've ever seen on film. Man, I, I, like, I, I can't okay. recommend it. Like, you will fucking love this movie, Adam. Yeah, it, this this looks like one that I'll definitely have to. You, you are going to lose your with. shit, man. Yeah, I think I probably will have to add this to my. Watch list immediately. Try to catch up with it. Maybe, maybe I'll try to catch up with this week. Uh, Elden Ring is consuming my life. I will say but this: when I when I do the old compare, three hours of this I think comes out ahead of three hours of Elden Ring. Mm. It was it was it, oh, oh man, this is one of those movies where I'm like I'm glad I watched this in my lifetime. Guess uh, I guess it depends on where you're at in Elden Ring, like because. Three hours in an Elden Ring could just be you dying over and over to the same boss, which would not be a good use of time. Yes, that's true. Uh, all right. Well, uh, I can't really uh, compete with a movie like that, but I did see the new Scream movie uh, this week. Uh, this is directed by the the, the team that did uh, Ready or Not, which I loved. This is good. I enjoyed this. It didn't blow me away or anything. However, I did enjoy the the concept of it. You know, you know, Scream has always been a very meta 
style of movie. And this one sort of doubles down on that whole thing. And the thing that I like about it is, is, you know, we've been talking about all of these movies like Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, the Chucky series, like all these movies that are, that are doing these, like uh, these sort of reboot sequel type things where they're not like rebooting the whole franchise, but it's like a new sequel and they're sort of retconning all the, you know, pieces of it. That's what this movie does, but in a really fun kind of tongue in cheek way. And I think that it it was really, it was a really cool idea. It was uh, it's a fun movie, but most of it is your pretty standard slasher. But the thing is like, that's kind of by design with scream. And, and I, and I find that scream is a, is a hard movie to, it's a hard franchise to criticize because it is, it's very intentionally campy and it, it's designed to follow the rules, you know, like the slasher tropes and what it does with them, I think is where the series is. It gets interesting. And if you're not familiar, this brings back uh, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and, throws in a a new group of of kids there's a new killer on the loose you know whatever standard scream stuff the end is really cool uh i I thought the end was great so yeah i would give it a late recommend check out scream okay interesting uh the only other thing i watched is another comic book movie that's tank girl from 1995 Finally checked out Tank Girl. And man, I gotta say, this is pretty fucking great. It's yeah, we, interesting. We covered Go this ahead. on the we, we covered this on uh Saved by the Nineties, I believe, like a while ago. I can't remember if I listened to that episode or not. It's uh like it's an remember. interesting one. I, I enjoy- it's a, it's a really interesting movie because I don't really know too much about it except for you know the the flashes I've seen of Laurie Petty's character, you know, the mm-hmm. main character, Tank Girl, which is really interesting because I haven't really seen her in too much. But as soon as she showed up on the screen, she's doing the voiceover. I'm like, man, classic Laurie Petty. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who the fuck Laurie Petty is. I, like, uh, the most I've seen her in is Station Eleven. And that's, you know, now. She was in a ton of stuff back, back in the I know. Show. What about A League of Their Own? Have you seen that? Yeah, that's true. She was pretty. I do remember in that? Yeah, she was the sister in that. Yeah, it was just funny because like as soon as she showed up, I'm like, oh fucking classic Lori Petty. This is what you. This is what you signed up for, man. Fucking love Lori Petty. And then I kind of was thinking about it. I'm like, I I don't know what I've seen Lori Petty in. Like, how do I, I think, know? I, I think it's that's an an interesting observation because I think that it's just that she was so big in the '90s that she was. Like you just knew, you felt like you just, just knew her from everything. She's fu- fucking everywhere, I guess. But this is like, I don't know how many movies I've seen like this in terms of um, comic book movies that kind of um, weave in the comic themselves with the live action and with some animation as well. Uh, for me, because I can't think of all the other examples, this is one of the best. Like, I thought that it was just phenomenal, like, the energy to it of them, like, cutting from the live action to snapshots of the comic and, you know, scanning across the comic and occasionally doing animation as well. Like, all of it just really worked for me. I just loved, I loved the energy of this movie. It was, it was great. Um, But the thing I didn't know about was the, like, uh, the half kangaroo. Oh, the kangaroo people. Human. Ice tea hybrids. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that that was gonna. So there was a part of me that was like, "Ah, oh, this is pretty wild. This is great." And then the Rippers show up, and I'm like, "This movie's just fucking out of control now. This is great." <laughs> yeah. Like I bought in completely. I'm just like, "Fuck yes, we are just out of control now. I love this." It. And I was out of. I had a blast with it, man. Yeah, it it got really it got shit on when it first came out. It didn't do everybody hated it. It was a bomb. 
And I don't really, I, I think maybe it was just too far ahead of its time or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because even like the, the look of it is, like the look of it, the pace of it just feels very modern. And I love like, just like they're, uh, like in the beginning, the their home base, like out in the middle of the desert, like just the production design of this movie is just pretty phenomenal between the tanks and the aircrafts and, you know, all the futuristic stuff. Like it just, it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. This is directed by uh, Rachel Talalay who did ghost in the machine, which is another one that I would definitely recommend. I think I, I've listened to that one. That yeah, episode. Yeah. Ghost in the machine is awesome. And so she also did, um, she also did Freddy's dead. The final nightmare, which is a decent uh, entry in the nightmare on Elm street series. Uh, cool. That's tank girl. Definitely check that out. If you haven't seen that, I saw a movie called no exit. This is on Hulu. It's directed by Damien power. This is one that I, when I, when I had mentioned, I was looking for just a movie to watch during lunch one day this week. I was like, eh, this is new to Hulu. Let me check it out. And I literally never heard of it. Didn't know anything about it. Uh, what you have here is, uh, it's, it centers on a young woman who is in rehab. She has a pretty severe narcotics addiction and, she's trying to get herself straightened out, mm. get her life back on track. And she finds out that her mom had an aneurysm and she decides to break out of rehab and go see her mom in the hospital because they don't expect her to, to survive. And it, as she's driving to, I think it's in like Illinois or Idaho or somewhere. Um, there's a giant blizzard, that hits and she is forced to like all the highways are closed and she's forced to seek refuge in a, uh, in a rest stop that uh, the cops open up for people who get stranded. And so she's in this rest stop with four other people and she goes outside to see if her phone has any reception, which of course it doesn't. But when she's out there, she finds a van and there's a kidnapped girl in the van who's tied up. So the beginning of the, so early on the premise of the movie is that she needs to figure out which one of these four people kidnapped this girl and then Mm. try to get the girl out of the van and to safety. Now you discover pretty early on who the culprit is, but before then, before that happens, it's pretty intriguing. But unfortunately, after the after you figure out like who did it, it's just turns into a conventional sort of cat and mouse thriller. And mm-hmm. it doesn't really do anything new after that. And unfortunately, I feel like they sort of lay their cards on the table a bit too early. But, you know, it's uh it's fine. I, it's on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, you can check it out. I mean, I wouldn't recommend going out of your way to see it or anything. Yeah, no, that's that's good information. Good information. Yeah. Now you you yeah you don't really need to bother with it. Honestly, uh, the only other one that I saw was Fresh. This is directed by Mimi Cave. This just came out this uh, past weekend on. I think it's on Hulu also. Actually. Hmm. And this is uh, with Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan. I don't know how much of this is known, like like how much I can safely give away of the plot. Uh, but the very basic premise is that that Daisy Edgar Jones plays this young woman who is she's in like the dating scene. She's you know using the apps. She's trying to find that special someone. And like every, every date she goes on is a disaster. The guys are all douchebags. And right when she's just about to give up on the whole like dating thing, she ends up meeting Sebastian Stan's character in the grocery store. They kind of hit it off. They uh, strike up a a romance and uh, things take a very, very terrible turn that uh, involve things that I'm sure that she would have like no, not even a fleeting uh, uh, idea that, that it could happen. And same with uh, audiences. It gets pretty crazy. I like the title card in this a lot. 
the the opening title sequence doesn't happen until 33 minutes into the movie, which I thought oh, was awesome. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I loved it. Loved it. So th- this had a lot going on. It's weird. It's darkly comedic. Uh, it's disturbing at times. It's gross. There's like almost a body horror element to it as well. Uh, the sound design is like, it's like, it's got one of those movies where like everything is heightened, like all the set. It's like almost like an ASMR movie where mm, like okay. everything is, everything is, you can just hear everything that's going on. And uh, yeah, I would recommend it. It's, uh, it was not what I expected. So check out fresh, but I, yeah. it's not for the squeamish. Okay. What is the, because I'm sure they, you know, where they meet in the produce section, they probably, you know, have some funny banter. What is, what is the produce that they're talking about over? Grapes. Grapes. It's because mm. uh, he has these like, they're like cotton candy grapes. Oh, those fucking cotton candy grapes. God damn it. You yeah. can't get normal grapes anymore. It's hard. You yeah, just get it, regular grapes, the cotton candy grapes. They look like fucking torpedoes. Yeah, they do. All sorts of shit. Just give me fucking regular grapes, goddammit. Yeah. yeah, they the the conversation is about grapes, and that's that's what kicks thing, kicks things but off. Another thing that I would like to see is someone program enter their movie, and maybe you only release it to, via like torrent. You know, the, you can you, you can torrent it but it's programmed in that it kind of hijacks your computer and the title card doesn't show up until three and a half days later. So I'm trying to do something else that just pops up in VLC. (laughs) That'd be so funny. Like VLC automatically opens. Yes. It's playing the credits. And it just slams it up there. You're just like, what the fuck? What the hell is it? The movie that I watched three days ago? (laughs) The cool thing is, this one's not just a title card either. It's a full opening credit sequence too. Oh, okay. Like it's it's the full it's the, the whole the whole shebang. Yeah, that's a commitment there. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. Very very uh, very clever placement of it too. Interesting. So this one this one yeah this was a surprise. I definitely recommend Fresh. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. Uh, I'm not seeing anything actually. Oh. Yeah. Theaters are taking a break. I guess. Weekend. I guess so. I'm not, yeah, I'm not seeing any, there's something called Tyson's. I'm seeing something called Tyson's run, but it sounds made up. Yeah. I don't know. It looks like a, some kind of family film, maybe faith-based. I don't know. Mm, Pro- probably Tyson's. faith-based. Oh, please be. Yeah. Bass. An unathletic boy with autism strives to become an unlikely marathon champion. Oh, God. Give me a break. All right, VOD this week. Let's see what we got here. On the 8th, we have The Girl on the Mountain. Uh, that looks like a maybe a thriller. Oh, it's a Saban Films. So there you go. There you go. It's an intense thriller set against a backdrop of a beautiful yet treacherous wilderness. We got Calendar Girl. This is uh, it's a documentary, I believe. We have Adventures in Success. It's a comedy. Mm-hmm. On the 10th, we have The Seed coming out on Shudder. I'll be checking that out. It looks kind of... Yeah, could be interesting. On the 11th, we have The Exorcism of God. It's a horror film. We got Off Season. That's the, I believe, the new one for Mickey Keating. So I'll probably probably check that out. I'm more interested about an exorcism on God. That is also Saban Films release. I'm not interested. (laughs) Yeah. Peter Williams, an American priest working in Mexico, is considered a saint by many local parishioners. However, due to a botched exorcism, he carries a dark secret that's eating him alive until he gets mm-hmm. an opportunity to face his own demon one final time. So, no yeah, it, seem, it seems like maybe he gets possessed. Uh, we have Ultrasound. That's a, that's a pretty interesting one. I saw that at I don't, one of the festivals last year, and it's a, kind of a weird thriller. 
We got Gold coming out. That's the one with uh, Zach Efron. So I think it's some kind of like a maybe like a post-apocalyptic type of thing. Two, two drifters traveling through the desert stumble across the biggest gold nugget ever found. Ah. So, yeah. That's pretty much it for VOD. On Blu-ray this week, we have The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, that's going to be like in all, all different versions, 4K, all that stuff. There's also going to be a four-film pack of matrix movies coming out. I don't, did we talk about that on this? I I don't know if we actually talked about matrix resurrections on the show. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was like one of those weeks where we like took off or something like that, but it's not good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have phenomena coming out in 4k from 1985. Uh, highly recommend this one. If you have not seen this one, this is uh, Argento film with uh, Jennifer Conley, where she's uh, plays a young woman who can talk to bugs. Yes. <laughs> what more do you want? Wait, have you, have you seen Phenomena? No, but I remember it's you so, talking about yeah. this that I still have to get around to this. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Actually, there was like a Giallo thing happening. Oh, it was yeah. awesome. It was so cool. Uh, we also have Thriller, A Cruel Picture from 1973. This is also called They Call Her One Eye. Uh, if you're not familiar with this one, it's the one with Christina Lindbergh. Uh, very graphic film. This is uh, sort of a rape revenge movie, but it is uh, it's rough. Rough, that one. We got uh, Rugrats 3 movie collection. Didn't know Rugrats had three movies to their I, name. That, that's news to me. Yeah, I knew they had one, but I wasn't mm-hmm. aware of three of them. Death yeah. Game from 1977. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Coming to America from last year. I had to skip that one. We got um, Silent Night. You had mentioned that on the show a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, Agnes. That's the uh, the one from uh, Mickey Reese, which I would recommend checking out. Don't know if I'd buy it on Blu-ray, but... It's worth a look. Uh, the Nowhere In from 2020. Uh, let's see. There is so much anime every week. Holy crap. So much anime. Uh, Drunk Bus from last year. And that's pretty much it. What about Criterions this week? Uh, we have Adoption. A Hungarian film from 1975. Marta uh, Meseros. This is this is a director that I've heard so much about, just tons and tons and tons. But you couldn't find her work anywhere, really. So it's nice to see finally getting a release, at least one. We got one. Hopefully, we can get more. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.